Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Owatari Dorgan, and with me, as always, is a man who regularly shits in his kitchen. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but only after I go outside first. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I mean, like, um, th- yeah, yeah, that, that, the, the, the that kind of, you know, hey, man, hallways are a very, very modern invention. Yeah. Um, they just major, are. Uh, plus, you know, major city apartment buildings are always weirdly set up because they were As this never movie designed points out, for their current housing, p- yes, purpose. Yeah. 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 Uh, you know, when that when that place opened, it there wasn't a private bathroom anyway. It's off right. the kitchen because that's where the plumbing already was right. when they had to add one. So, you know. That's uh, that's how that stuff works. Pat, before we get into the movie this week, I want to talk about our Patreon, patreon.com slash Criterion. Over there for a dollar a month, you can help keep us going and get some bonus content. Oh, yeah, bonus content. Some, some sweet, sweet bonus content. Now, for just a dollar, you have access to a non-Criterion bonus episode we do once a month. You also get to vote on what that episode's going to be. You can suggest lists for us to vote on if you want. Usually I have to come up with it, so I'm always glad to put that work onto our supporters. Yeah, I was always, always <laughs> take glad whatever. to make somebody else do the work for yeah. us. Yeah, take whatever suggestion they make. Now, one option on every list, no matter who makes it, is always Kazam, the 1996 children's movie starring Shaquille O'Neal as a genie. We've watched it a couple of times. It's usually a sign that I made a very bad list that they decided. Yeah, ever, they, there was a bit of a mutiny Kazam. on, yeah. But we do have fun over there. Uh, watch a pretty wide variety of movies, though. I mean, the further we get into the Criterion Collection, I can no longer say that we watch a wider variety no. of movies over there, no. um, one way or another, uh, because the Criterion Collection has a very wide variety of movies within it. But we watch things that uh, aren't in the Criterion Collection. Maybe one day will be in the Criterion Collection. Uh, there was one they put in the Criterion Collection after we watched. It. I that feel like that one's kind of cheating. It was. I. I. No, not on our part. When we per watched se. it, I just, no. When we watched it, I definitely did not expect it to end up in the. Criterion no, Collection. of course not. It's just uh, the reason yeah. I bring that up is I feel like even by Criterion standards, they put that one in there as a kind of like, well, fuck, I don't know, put this one in there. Yeah, it's a weird decision. On like it just has too, this feel really to it of like yeah. somebody phoned it in that week, and it's like right, yeah, right, we'll right. just this is related to a famous movie that people actually care about. If chuck it in right, there, if nothing, we're talking about Failsafe, the uh, the straight adaptation of the same book that Doctor Strangelove is based off of, and we watched it on that premise. The list was alternative versions of movies that ended up in the Criterion Collection. They're sort of twin movies. Um. And, uh, yeah, it just, it's it just should, not a very impressive if it's going to be, I mean, it's fine. If it's going to be in the Criterion Collection, it should be like a, a bonus feature on the Strangelove right, disc, right, right. Not, not its own release. Well, but, and I think that's, well, and whatever. that's, I think, a function of the fact that the Criterion Collection, the way it's set up inherently has a sort of shoot yourself in the foot sort of thing. 
Right. Where it's right, like, right, oh, well, right, we already right. released that. that. Like, that's the canonical release for this movie. Right. So they couldn't. Until we release a new. Right. Right. Exactly. They're not going to. Once like, they got the rights. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. They might someday anyway. with like, oh, well, now we're doing the UHD release so we can finally check right, it on right, there. Right, right. But then that would require them, them to re- completely redo like 1,500 spine numbers, which I don't <laughs> think they're ready to do it. Well, then it, then it just becomes a new spine number as a box set. Oh, that's right, right, right. Yeah, that, yeah, you're right. That's uh, what they would do. Yeah. Anyway, we've uh, we've watched some movies over there that uh, are in the Eclipse Collection since it's outside of the purview of Lost in Criterion. We we accept <laughs> our self-assigned Eclipse. purview that like really yeah. could be anything we yeah. want. And then uh, and then you know we just watch a bunch of random stuff. You know, yeah. we've watched uh, Ready Player One. We've watched Ernest Goes to Camp. We watched Ernest Scared Stupid. We watched Critters Two. We watched. The Americanization we are the of definitive, Emily. And, uh, yeah, we are. Podcast. I wish we were the definitive Ernest I podcast, I, but I bet there is a better one out. There. I'm sure there is. Uh, yeah, uh, if there's not, I've got a fifth podcast project. Movie, <laughs> I mean, movie the only podcast. Thing you're going to run into with the Ernest uh, podcast is like you're there's like prolific. It is a limited but it's engagement. A very there's limited only thing. Yeah. yeah. There's only. There's only eight or nine of them, depending on how you count. Oh, and I'm always, uh, a, I, I, maybe it's just ideally me. there's actually only three of them. Right. I'll I'll I'll, I'll draw that line, but I, there are others. I'm always confused. Like I see this fairly often in the podcast sphere, but whenever it's like, well, we're this is we're doing a podcast, and then they pick something that's got like thirty episodes. I'm like, you're only gonna make thirty episodes of your podcast? And I and like that j- somehow my brain is completely broken, where I'm like, what? And then it's like, well, that yeah, you- but like TV shows, shows are all that way. Like they all only yeah. have like you know X number of episodes, and then they're done. They don't go on ad infinitum. Like it's yeah. like, but in like my head, I'm like, oh, it's a podcast. Does. Why are you going to stop it? Do you remember when we first started talking about doing a movie podcast, and we were like, well, we should just we should just pick a list of movies to go through. And one of the first suggestions we thought of was, uh, I think AMI's like. Hundred, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, best movies, a whole um, hundred episodes, and, and our thought was a hundred doesn't seem like very many, yeah, and a hundred episodes would have been over two years of content, right, like, right. I mean, I guess it depends on where your where your motivations yeah. lie. Our primary motivation yeah. for doing this to this day is just a chance to talk once a week, <laughs> right. So, right. like, you if we picked a list other. that ended, it would have been like, well, right. now what do we do? Yeah, we, we just don't want a list that ended. So we we accidentally picked a list that, that literally will never end. end. Yeah, we'll uh, die before yeah. it ends. And oops, that's on us. Uh anyway, uh all of that digression. We're still talking about the Patreon. As I said, just $1 a month gets you access to those bonus episodes, the entire back catalog of bonus episodes. There's over 50 episodes over there. And, uh, yeah, we have a lot of fun. For a little extra $5 a month uh, for people who just, uh, you know, can afford it and, and want to keep us going, want to help us out a little bit more, uh, we do like to thank those people on air. So thank you very much to Christopher Otto, Eric Coronado, and Stephen Goldmeyer, our current $5 supporters. A little above that, we do something that I think is pretty dang special. Pat makes a piece of art based on one of the movies we watched recently. I get that printed up on a postcard and uh, write a little personalized note to you. We also like to thank those supporters on air. So thank you so much to Jason Westaver, Michael McGrath, Nina Bajnak, Patrick Yako, and Adam Speakerman, our $10 and above supporters. Thank you, Hope you are enjoying your monthly postcards. I know most of you are. Most of you. Have I mean, me I would assume you, you really are, or them. otherwise so, you would have canceled. Yeah. Like, uh, right, if we're right, being right. honest here. Yeah, and those 
those those of our supporters who for financial reasons have had to leave the ten dollar support mark have been sure to say i will miss getting pat's postcards well that uh, that warms my yeah. my cold dead heart yeah well it's a cold time of year i need to warm you as much as possible <laughs> Ooh, exciting <laughs> oh wink it's a very uh, exciting a very special episode of our podcast yeah. If you want to see those beautiful warming postcards, head over to redbubble.com and search for Lost in Criteria. You can see most of them. There were a couple uh, couple legal challenges that yeah. we had to take down uh, that I maintain we shouldn't have. No, but I, I, we didn't neither really have of them, the, I think, qualifies right. really as, as actual proper copyright infringement. But yeah. uh, Not only can you see those postcards at Redbubble, but you can also purchase them if you want to buy one. It's a... Uh, it's a little late for Christmas now. But yeah, yeah. But I mean, I think all of know, all Year's, of the major maybe. winter holidays are over. But my birthday's next week. If you want to copy one, and Pat's birthday's in two weeks. If you want to buy one and send them send off them to, to us. us, yeah, yeah. I mean, it would be weird. I, but hey, I would enjoy uh, it because I don't actually get it. a printed version of my postcard. So. You're right. You don't. I used to send them to I you. Know, I miss I, it. It was it was expensive, and I, they kept you shouldn't getting do lost it anymore. So, no, yeah. I, I only got half of them. But you shouldn't right, do right. it. I'm not saying you should, but I do miss it. I did love when you would get one, because it would have postmarks from that it clearly took the the least efficient route to Japan. Oh yeah. <laughs> like I said, Redbubble. If you want to buy those, Patreon.com/slash/LostInCriterion. If you want to support us. Thank you to those who do, but thank you for listening, even if you don't. Yes, thank we're, you. Uh, we're regardless. glad to have you. This week, we are talking about our second Whit Stillman film. Quite a long time ago, we talked about Metropolitan, uh, his film from 1990. I don't know how long ago. It seems like forever, and I'm probably going to look it up and be surprised that it was two months ago, and I've just <laughs> no, black-holed no, no, no. black that movie in my memory. It definitely wasn't two months ago. It, it wouldn't terribly surprised me if it was much more recent than we think it was but yeah on the flip side i mean that movie like really that movie is one of those ones that i forgot it practically forgot it by the time we finished recording it like yeah i was just so un, sort of unengaged by it yeah it was longer ago you know why it was so unengaging why because we watched it we watched it between kind hearts of coronets and the Malay tree trilogy, the World War Two Malay trilogy, right, right, uh, and like both of those things are so much more burned into my head. Yeah, right, it right. was Me- Metropolitan is spy number three twenty six, so that would have been nearly three years ago. So it's longer, longer than I feared. Um, <laughs> given given how little I remember about it, I remember the feelings it gave me. Uh, for better and worse, right? Uh, more than I remember the conversations that were actually held in that movie, because that's what that's what Stillman likes to do. Uh, I mean, in that manner, I guess he's like David Mamet and Tarantino, just less cursy, uh, because well, they are. They yeah, are I mean, definitely de- movies built on conversations. Uh, definitely about a different class of people than David Mamet and, right. and Tarantino usually feature, but uh, you know, this movie itself. In a weird way, uh, Swingers feels like a parody of this movie, and I'm not sure if that timing works out. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, well, I mean, yeah, I get what you're saying there. I, I, I do. I, I yeah. wonder if, if, 
But I think Swingers is more of a parody. Swingers of came just... out two years. Swingers came out two years before this. Right. If anything, Last Days of Disco. It, but it is hundred percent not. A, well, yeah, that it could be. But I, yeah. I, I just. This is nineteen ninety eight. I would argue that Swingers is more of a commentary on this kind of movie that had already reached a sort of prominence by yeah, 1998 yeah, yeah. like by the time it, even by <laughs> 1996 had already hit a pretty pretty strong a pretty strong stride uh i find this kind of movie borderline unbearable um yeah. this movie let's 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 dig into that okay. what do you mean what do you mean this kind of movie uh, well i would call them talkies you... if if that weren't yeah. already a if thing that, that weren't already something. a thing yeah. Um, no, what I mean is like the these Wilt Stil- or not Wilt, Wilt, Wilt Stillman movies, the <laughs> yeah. other one as well. They both both of these they those, these two specifically are really weird versions of this. Okay, that are like almost amplified because of the way he chooses to do things. But these movies feel like the most '90s things you could ever cook up. They are yeah. they are this one and the other one are both period pieces that make kind of no um what's the word i'm looking for kind of no concessions to the idea that like people in 1970 or 1980 don't talk like it's 1998 yeah well i mean that's ultimately your problem with these movies and with with the mammoth stuff we've seen is that like our least favorite person who makes media uh aaron sorkin Right. Everybody talks all the time, and they're far more clever than they should be. Right. Or have any need to be in the conversations they're having. Right. right? Exactly. And that's and, really and the, the it's issue. exact same thing happening here. And that is, I yeah. think that is, I fundamentally like comprehend right. that as a 1990s writer's yeah. brain disease. Like yeah. it just, yeah. it just, but it is, is, it is the particular particularities of the conversations they're having and have the, how they're having them, like. For instance, counterpoint, you loved my dinner with Andre, right? And well, and that's it. Well, because there's an earnest to it. Even though it's yeah. staged, my dinner with Andre has, right, a, has right. a very is, is very sincere. It, right. it, and, and, and you feel you feel nothing in this insincere. No, no, I don't believe I to the point where the problem. Like we ran into this with um, Metropolitan is Metropolitan. Or Met- I keep I keep running it's into Metropolitan. which one Metropolitan. Yeah. We we ran into this as well. His la- apparent to me apparent lack of sincerity digs so you. I get the impression that Whitstoneman might have a fondness for certain sort of like these sort of dying genre, like these dying social uh, sort of spheres, right? Yeah, and and I, even though he. Maybe wants to make fun of them a little bit by like kind of making some somewhat insufferable people in them. He still kind of wants to show the thing itself in kind of a. It's not necessarily purely negative right. light, right? Um, if anyone else had, if anyone else made movies about yuppies, uh, destroying disco, living 
destroying disco. Yeah, and that's that's what this movie is, and that's yeah. you know the historically accurate interpretation Absolutely. of what happened. No, too. and he's not. That's the thing is and, he's not wrong, right? And I don't think in Metropolitan it's a slightly different thing because in Metropolitan it's like this is a thing that probably deserved to die, <laughs> right, they, right? Whereas right. this is maybe not a thing here, that necessarily deserved to die, but here it's a thing that's being killed by this culture. But it, but in both instances. Stillman never wants us to lose our sympathy for his characters, right? Right, Even but that's the problem is he writes hyper, like, I don't have any ingrained sympathy for, I have I have sympathy for right, right. disco, you, the concept. Yeah, you and I you and I have no sympathy for these characters. <laughs> yeah, I Stillman don't like has them. sympathy for these characters. Uh, and because of that, you know, we already have that disconnect with Stillman. Right. Um, and we'll be on, you know, if you listen to our metropolitan episode, I'm sure you understand that. If you've listened to to us talk, with with maybe you know the Noah Baumbach movie we watched, uh, oh, Kicking and Screaming, yeah, the good Kicking and Screaming, you know that's obviously got a lot of he worked under Stillman, and it's got a lot of uh, a lot of similarities to how it functions and the sort of people dragging their feet, recent college grads at. Ivy League or Ivy League adjacent universities, um, which is which is just a which is by its nature, unfortunately, just a completely unsympathetic group of people. Like <laughs> right, just right, inherently, right, and right. then the '90s wanted us to be sympathetic for those people desperately. Yeah. Eric and Aaron yeah. Sorkin characters are that. No Bombach characters are that. Like, well, <laughs> yeah. Whit Stillman characters. It's like you want me, like the most sort of sympath like air quote sympathetic character in this movie the the sorry, the, the only one with anything even approaching ca- class consciousness is the guy who went to harvard <laughs> right right it's like what the fuck is happening here why do you want me to care about these fucking monsters yeah. like i don't understand yeah. like yeah. i do understand because in your in your mind not your mind but like the right, writer's right, right. mind like this is people like and right. it's that's mind boggling to me. Like what? And yeah. I, and I guess in the sense that like the the only thing that this movie has going for it over Metropolitan, and this is something, is that when Stillman identifies that the people he cares about as characters are also the murderers of a of a of a of a culture, they they, they just showed up and murdered a culture that had had meaning and and significance for other groups but they you know classic sort yeah. of like drove everybody who was a part of the creation of this thing out and left only the, this hollow how shell do, that they ate the insides of how do i feel like i don't remember stillman's biographical details did we not get into that we had we definitely did we absolutely we had did. to have. we definitely did his dad was the Secretary of Commerce we under absolutely, JFK? We 100% and they, talked about they, that. We 100% They went to college together at Harvard. Uh, man, yeah. And <laughs> his then, like, grand, his great-great-grandfather founded Brownsville. <laughs> like, great. We, uh, we did talk about it. The problem is, is yeah. the same, and we're going to run into the same problem here with this, is that I care so other, little about these characters, I don't bother to remember the last movie at all. It's no, really well, it's problem. part of the problem. Yeah, for sure. But my other thing is, I think that the, we ran into this problem last time, is like, like it or not, with so many movies, give us a lot to talk about because they're just such a sort of clusterfuck from top to bottom. 
it's like, well, yeah, we talked about his biographical information, but we also probably talked for an hour and a half about other crazy shit in the right. movie that, like, right. Right. there's just so much to complain about that you're like, oh, I mean, yes, we did definitely talk about his, his family history. And, like, yeah, he has sympathy for the group of people that represents his peers. Yeah. He yeah. and 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 he absolutely does have class consciousness. The problem is, is his class is not our class. You know yeah. what I mean? Like his class, no one will ever accuse the 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 elites of America of not being class conscious. They're very very well of who we're very well aware of where they are positioned and and what is necessary right. to maintain that position. So one thing about Metropolitan that I remember saying. Of the few things that I can remember about that movie. Or I, I admire that, that you remember anything. <clears throat> One thing I definitely remember and that I think holds is the only way I can hold interest in this one is that whether or not Stillman necessarily means to do it as far as I interpret him doing it, Stillman definitely thinks these people are absurd. Yeah, he does. He does. But, like, that's the weird thing. I... Which is its own sort of problematic thing to try to comprehend, right? Because yeah. I don't think he knows that these people are absurd in the way that you and I know these people are absurd. <laughs> I guess that's... that's Does that make sense? Fair. Like, do you know what I'm yeah. saying? You get what I'm kind of like putting out here. It's like, you and I look at it and we say this is absurd. And we, we're identifying like a whole sort of social construct and a whole bunch of other things that make this really upsetting. Yeah. I think... Wit- Stillman is more identifying like like he's like just touched the very tip of an iceberg of absurdity in the sense that he's like well these people are absurd like I think I don't know he doesn't feel like it's the same I don't know I'm having trouble describing why because Stillman in our experience at least so far because Stillman focuses on college or just past college age people there is this built-in excuse that I think is hard to escape and I think might be the issue we're hitting, something around here. There's this built-in issue of it being the absurdity of youth, right? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because they're all growing out of it at the end of every... Right, right. And there's this sort of of identification that, like, well, they've grown out of it and now they're not absurd anymore. Right, But, but... they, this class of people, they are absurd. when they grow out of this, they're they just actually be... get worse, not better. <laughs> yeah, they get worse, not better. Right, right, and they actually get more absurd too. Uh, but, but yeah, yeah, uh, I think you're right. I think, I think, yeah, yes, yeah, that's exactly what I was going for, and I couldn't identify it. Is that yes, he's latched on to the 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 sort of like the way how how silly young people are. In their yeah. sort of idiosyncrasies and, and strange behaviors and 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 weird hangups, and not the fact that like they're just this is just we we have created an, an entire group of well essentially monsters like yes. congratulations yeah. well and the thing is is that like again the funny thing is, is I I did find this one more engaging and I really did find this one more engaging because I find. The, the the sort of abject murder of, of disco as a concept and a movement far more engaging as a topic than the death of uh whatever I forget how per, what word that is uh cont- <laughs> cantillions right like those those yeah. ballroom dancings things yeah. like yeah 
find your suitor and and get you know <laughs> right like I could care I could give a shit about the death of those. <laughs> Right, right, right. And bear Not, in mind, and Metropolitan was just a little too much into old in, money culture, right? In too whereas, much in his universe that he was like wanting to yeah, talk about. Yeah. Whereas, like, this is at least talking about a thing that was like, you know, this was a thing. Like, people, normal right, people, right. were engaged. Not that much because, like, again, as a part of of the takeover by sort of elite culture, they pushed out all the people who sort of the normal people who had any sort of engagement with disco prior to it right. being taken over, right? Like you went from house parties and things like that where like now like no normal people weren't getting into these clubs. Let's be very clear right. here. Right. Like they had already by the time what by the time we're getting to what Whit Stillman is talking about, disco as a concept or or any sort of like that kind of nightlife is already dead because it's been murdered. And he knows that. He right. does correctly identify that what they've he does to his credit correctly identify what they did to this. Now, does he though? I think so. No, you don't think so? Does he blame or does he blame the club owners? That's the being, question. Or does he blame the corruption of the club owners? Yeah, that's a good question. I think you might be right because the the way the club owners played is just pure bad guy. Like shitty 90s yeah. movie bad guy. He borderline wants to tear down the rec center. Um, right, right, right. Yeah, you might be <laughs> Even right. Though, like his only mo is protecting his dance club. Right, he comes off like a guy who wants to tear, tear down, down the a rec club. Exactly, a rec center. Because yeah. he keeps trying to kick out the people who the movie wants us to. Well, like. and so that what, um, what we may we may end up with a what, like a I don't know what you would call but, this. It's almost borderline on a Streisand effect or something. Where like with someone accidentally identifies <laughs> the, uh, the 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 culprit. In the fact that yeah. the the they're, the person who's unsympathetic, the supposed to be unsympathetic, the club owner is trying to kick out the people who are ruining this particular to- this particular thing. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Bear in mind, well, he's also obvi- doing some sort of weird illegal drug trade of bezeling thing that's also going to kill yes. the club. But yeah. Yes, but ultimately, narratively, uh, the owner wants to get rid of. Jimmy because Jimmy's in sales, period, and right. he doesn't like Jimmy's vibe. But also, if he had successfully gotten rid of Jimmy... The club wouldn't have closed? The club never would have been gotten raided. Yes, this because is it was it Because was, it was Jimmy uh, bringing in clients who were actually... Uh, FBI and IRS <laughs> yeah. and DEA Which is really agents. funny, too. When you think... like it, The actual scheme and story of this movie is pretty... <laughs> pretty funny in the sense yeah. that like jimmy gets fired for not being able to get them into the club anymore essentially yeah but also right. like jimmy's only role was essentially as a as a as a fed as a stooge yeah as a fed a, mule. Yeah. Yeah. so yeah. weird a mule. yeah that's, it is a very it, i will give stillman credit that the story that sort of, it's, which is not even the main clever story, and interesting is, is really way is. more interesting than metropolitan was there like, there are super of, yeah. super interesting things going on in the peripheries of this movie that are that are B plots. They aren't right. They and aren't that's the sad like part. Is stuff they are we're imagining. Plot. Yeah, but they're not stuff we're imagining or reading too much into. No. Like like no, normal they're... when you start talking about the periphery. Right. Of the These story. are legit textual. Yes. This is like not <laughs> yeah. meta textual or even this is textual. My problem yeah. is is that I would like I would actually heads and shoulders above enjoy watching just that movie. Right, right, right. <laughs> just, 
I was constantly <laughs> latching onto the things that weren't this movie. Like even even the people. Do you, wanna, do you, do you want to write the uh, the police procedural other side of this movie? Well, with see, me? this is this is one of those ones where like I don't know if I would enjoy the police procedural of it because like for police procedurals, I have my own problems with the or maybe I love them. The back the the bar back room, the club back room, and the police procedural just uh, yeah, you could marry to them head, together. You could like pair them off together. You could yeah. do that thing where like, well, there's no good guys here, kind of thing, and right, you just right, have like right, both right. Like, kind of playing off each other. Those are always really neat. I really like it when they do that. Anyway, um, but yeah, no, I I would, and I was constantly latching onto the things that weren't <laughs> this story. Right, I'm like curious about this like publishing deal that she gets, and then like. What's going on at this bookstore? That this book uh, publisher that get bought out. Yeah, like yeah, and like that story is kind of interesting. It's peripheral. It's not as interesting as the club one, but it is still somewhat more yeah. interesting. It's just that like and the, all, yeah, and and weirdly at the end of this movie, all of the most morally bad people do get punished. <laughs> they all they right, all lose right, their right. job. And then they go on unemployment, which is how society should function anyway. So okay, and uh, I, I'm, I'm kind of a fan. Ideally, of Van. within the system, I, I, I Van as the sort of like weird Greek chorus at the end of the movie to just tell us what yeah. happened is really yeah. fascinating. Van's great to show back up and then say, "Well, I gotta, I gotta sign up for unemployment before I go to Florida." Uh, fascinating thing about Van, uh, he's a director now, uh-huh. and. Uh, he directed Pride and Prejudice and Zombies in 2016. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, as well as 17 again, the uh, the Freaky Friday with uh, with Thomas Lennon and uh, oh, who actually starred in it? Tom Lennon's in it, but Tom Lennon's like the, the main character's best friend. The actual it's Zach Afron, Zach Efron uh, is the the guy who gets Freaky Friday, um, and Matthew Perry. Are that pairing? Wow. Okay. Weird. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Uh. Well, good for him. And then, yeah. And then Tom Lennon plays like the best friend. Because of the adult. Uh, he is yeah. he is one of yeah. my my top five characters in this in this movie. Yeah. Because anyway, he also hates uh, Jimmy, but, and I'm a fan of yeah. anybody who hates Jimmy. The frankly. other the other very fascinating thing about Burr Steers, besides his name, <laughs> the guy who plays Man. Uh, is that his name is Burr Gore Steers, middle name after his uncle, Gore Vidal. What? Uh, yeah. What? <laughs> anyway. Yeah, just a weird world. Uh, just like like the guy who plays Van should exist in this movie. Yeah, like, no, absolutely. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I would argue you say like weird world. I say world working exactly as intended. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, but yeah, um, but Van is great, and you know, Van is Van is right to, to not want <laughs> not want Jimmy guy in, in the club, like to every... not want Jimmy in the club. Uh, yeah, but that's uh, I mean, and that's the weird thing is I can't. Boy, this is so weird. Like this movie. thinking about the meta like the subplot of this movie really is kind of a a kind of a brain twister a little bit because not so much as like the movie itself like the plot is in no way complicated uh interesting but not complicated but what i mean is like thinking trying to process what whit stillman thinks about the things that are happening that's a that's a brain twister because 
again, they're all want right to not want Jimmy in there. Right. But we are definitely supposed to be sympathetic for Jimmy, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, it's all very strange. We're definitely supposed to be like, oh well, Jimmy just wants to go in there and and have fun. Like, why why can't Jimmy come in? Yeah. And so I would argue possibly that more than anything, right, this but mo- even even on our heart, Jimmy Jimmy doesn't want to just want to have fun. No, Jimmy he wants to, to impress use it, clients. Yes. Jimmy wants to. Jimmy wants to right, which makes me think that like, Stillman must disco. identify that Jimmy is the problem. Right, right, right. And therefore, if he identifies that Jimmy is the problem, then the inevitable conclusion is that like Stillman knows that the yuppies who killed Disco are the bad guys. Right, right. We're just supposed to. We're trying to humanize the bad guys and understand that they were just kids who yeah. didn't do it on purpose. It just happened. Now, mind you, every every social and, craze, every movement, every social sphere eventually collapses. Like that is part and parcel of how they work. Um, and the ones who get the happy ending. Alice get, Alice mostly gets her happy ending off screen until which the, is kind of fucking the very up, end. right like yeah and then Tom Tom's an environmental lawyer right so he's like doing good work um good work as an yeah. environmental lawyer nah, who knows what that uh, is. but yeah um or not who I mean I feel like with? she ends up with um with the, I can't remember any. You're at okay. You've I'm sorry. You stumbled onto a problem here, Adam. This this movie is giving me very intense. Look at all the white Josh, guys who look all the same. Yeah. Problem. <laughs> yeah. Right. I don't They're know all the, the same person. Any of these people, they all look. Identical. Josh is who she ends up with. I'm sorry. Tom is the environmental lawyer, but Tom is the guy who has the uh, who who is on the extended break from his longtime girlfriend, and they start uh, they start cheating on their extended break by secretly dating each other. And he's the guy. He's the guy with the the Donald Duck obsession. Tom, the environmental lawyer. Oh right, he's an uh, ass. Right. Yeah. Because he like yeah. like right. fucking attacks her for like yeah. say that that's kind of sexy or whatever. Yeah. What, yeah. what a jerk. Um. Yeah. Uh. So Alice, Alice has my the most of any of my sympathy as as what I le- read as the fem- female lead here. Right. She manages yes. to keep it and and never really lose it. Uh, mostly because she's, but our sympathy for least, her still has the to least be of relative, an asshole, right? Yeah. It still has to be relatively limited because, yes, yeah, she is right. the least <laughs> asshole of a yeah. of people who are by by function of society, right? Problematic. She ends up with Josh, who definitely has like like even less than Jimmy. Josh is the DA who's selling out his friend. Like, yes. Like, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, trying to protect him, but like, never, never putting his job in jeopardy to try. Right. To the closest him. we get to it at the end is they they try to like clean up his image at the very end. Where they're like, "Well, I right, didn't. Right. I, I, yeah, it was a some. I got in trouble because I didn't prosecute someone who is my friend. Blah blah blah. And right, I'm like, right, right, right. Well, you didn't, well, you're really you trying didn't to do really a, do anything to save him, right? Yeah, you're really oh, you really can't. trying to do an image cleanup here at the very end with, yeah, with, with yeah. this character, huh? Right. Anyway, it, that um, that tells me again that even even Stillman was like, "Oh shit!" Like this character's not going to read as sympathetic if I don't like, now, scrub this up a little bit here at the end. Now, I will be. I will happily point out that as much as district attorneys are just cops, uh, in line with uh, 
or the Chungking Express, uh, our our cop couldn't find love until he quit his job. So that's that's right. That's yeah, a, yeah. A, a tick up, a tick up. Um, he had well, to stop that, being and, a district attorney before he got his happy ending, and that's fine by me. But yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think I really do think that like if I if I'm trying to compare like sort of like the two Stillman movies we've watched, this one is better. Like it just yeah. is like it is objectively better. I feel like they're. It's not great. I I anticipate remembering more about this one. That's the best I can say about. Well, it uh, no, point. I mean I'm but... purposely just calling on like sort of like my yeah. Like I don't I don't typically remember much about the movies except for more like weird vibes and like sort of yeah. like yeah feelings. And I remember like straight up hating Metropolitan. I don't hate this movie. I don't right. love it. I kind of hate it, but I don't like hate hate it. Um, I don't like any of the people in this movie. Like I don't like. There's not a. There's no characters. I, well, except for Van. I like Van. Van is also probably a jerk. Like in re- like, if you were to extrapolate his character out, he's also terrible. But we don't do that, so we don't find out how terrible he is. You know what I mean? Like we don't spend enough time with Van to like codify why he's terrible. Yeah. Um, I like, I like Rex, the the owner of the other bar, who's played by Mark McKinney, and that was delightful to see him. Show. Right? Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Is it's only periphery characters that I like, kind of right, like. Right. It's like, yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, these these people. I like all the people who dance at the end. They're fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That whole the whole ending sequence is super fun. With, yeah, it's with, actually I mean, the best part little, of the movie. It's a little on the nose to have Love Train play over the the train based dance sequence, but, but like, you've already fine. like I'm okay with we've it. Already, this 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 shit already jumped the shark so long ago. <laughs> right, right, right. Like, why not at least have a little bit of fun at yeah. the end? Yeah, yeah, it's super fun because we and, certainly haven't gotten to enjoy any of the music so far. Because every yeah. single every single musical like number is overridden by just unnecessary <laughs> like depths of dialogue that I don't even give a flying fuck about. Can't listen to any one of these songs, even like a third of any one of these songs. You d- well, I couldn't listen to most of these songs because my brain's already been ruined for music of this era by the Time Life commercials from the <laughs> from the nineties that played on Nickelodeon in the afternoon. So right. so I get like Jungle Boogie and then immediately get Love Train stuck in my head because those were the two that played side by side in the commercial right. that played during Doug. So right. uh, Yeah, I don't know. I have a real I have a real affection, not for necessarily the the this the, the social scene around it, but for just this kind of music. I don't know. It just feels good in my brain. So like I, I really do like it quite a bit. And then you get into this thing where it's like, but I can't hear any of it because none of you will shut yeah. the fuck up. And like it's just those weird, vapid, annoying conversations. It's just you didn't enjoy the social analysis of Lady and the Tramp that they gave. Uh, (sighs) Like, oh god, I, I'm so, I'm so tired. My one note on that. I'm so so tired. My note on that scene is actually, I am so glad uh, that we have existed as a podcast for nine years. And don't have conversations about movies like that conversation about movies. Yeah, no kidding. Like, huh? We could. Yeah, I could we definitely could. do it. Yeah, I mean, I could be wrong about stuff. Yeah. I'm good yeah, at that. I'm, I'm absolutely I can have bad ideas. Already, I can. Yeah. yeah what what the a, real challenge. I guess it's, what a, I will, it's a different of degree, not of kind. Cause, uh, right. Yeah. yeah. I, what I will say is. We're wrong all the time. But. 
Yeah, but, but we're yeah. also just not those people, I guess, is the problem. We're more yeah. likely to, like, do class analysis than we are to, like, try to do some weird, like, fucking, like, pseudo-feminist sort of, like, masculine, like, yeah, I don't even know. Like, the funny thing is, what's most amazing is, and I have to admire Stillman for this, despite the fact that it was definitely not on purpose, he manages to have all the characters be wrong. Despite having different <laughs> opinions, which is yeah. really, I feel an, like an accomplishment. It's like, oh, we're all going to analyze this wrong, and or at least come to the wrong conclusions. But we're all going to have different. We're all going to be different, which is, I think, a yeah. challenge. I th- I think it's one thing to write one bad opinion. It's a whole other thing to write multiple bad opinions that are different. Yeah, but one of the people in that conversation, I think it was, I think it was Des, uh, walks away saying, "I don't even believe what I said. I was just being contrarian to." to no, no, uh, yeah, of course I. Yeah. Th- I'm not talking about like sort of textually but to yeah. like the characters. I just mean like someone had to write all these bad, all these ideas, and then managed to write all wrong ones. Yeah, which yeah. is like, I feel like its own sort of special accomplishment. Well, I think when you're extrapolating those sort of ideologies from Lady and the Tramp, without examining the capitalistic propaganda that is every disney movie right right uh, yeah uh, well exactly yeah there's a whole bunch of there's a lot yes exactly we 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 are running into what you and i are identifying is the fundamental problem with a lot of these kinds of analyses done by these people in these positions which is oh you're never willing to take it to far back down the line far enough to arrive, so it makes your final conclusions warped because you haven't identified the right, root right. problems. You've identified, you picked like yeah. halfway up the tree and identified that as the start, and then right. started identifying things from there. And it's like, well, okay, yeah, but you didn't because you didn't get to the root. You're always going to have this weird mangled stub that that just doesn't make any sense. Um, you know, it, it, and yeah, that is that is the problem. And Stillman is 100 percent not going to do full on. <laughs> Right, like right. He, he can't analysis like, like that. No, he can't because he can't. No, it's impossible for him or his characters. I don't know. Maybe he can. Uh, Goddard did in '68, so maybe. Yeah, but maybe. I, I will, I will probably, honestly, yes, that is true. <laughs> and I feel like Goddard is such a fucking freak of nature. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I don't know what happened, and like as we've identified, Goddard has a lot of other problems that are not addressed. Yeah. Like he does not yeah. address every problem with himself, and Stillman. So far, Stillman has always included a character who could have been Goddard, who is who is the well-trained, well-moneyed, uh, media guy who would be willing to call all of all of his friends bougie. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but still, come around for soup, like like uh, our. Well, our it's Harvard, our that's our Harvard, our Harvard guy. guy who works at I, the. Yeah. I assume to a certain extent that Will uh, Stillman identifies sort of as the Harvard guy as his stand-in. Yeah, like I can see a world where Stillman, instead of identifying with one of the main characters, identifies with one of the periphery characters who's sort of observing this behavior. Yeah, with a, with a yeah. kind of wry sort of sort of wry observational sort of humor. I mean, not for nothing. 
Stillman himself refers to Metropolitan Barcelona and this as his doomed bourgeois in love series. Yes, I, yes, I, yes. I, but yeah, I, we talked about but that. I, the other but day. I also, yeah, I'm also not sure that that Stillman uh, applies the same baggage to bourgeois as as we no, do. No, he we doesn't. Use that word. Well, they even they even <laughs> throw that word around a little bit in here. And yeah. again, it comes from his Harvard stand-in that is definitely Stillman, 100% Stillman. Um, and the thing about it is you just keep running into this thing where like – Is that – do you really think that? I that, 100% that that think got, that's true. I think that because is Stillman's I think I think textual. his – it may be not his last line, but very close to his last line, really maybe embodies what we think Stillman – what Stillman's stake is this. And that's when uh, – He's talking I don't even about, remember what it was. <laughs> he's talking about uh um they've just walked out of the it's not his last line because he also asked to, what subway are you taking to get on the subway with him. Uh but uh they've walked out of the unemployment office and uh they're talking about Alice's promotion and Charlotte's uh Charlotte says something derogatory about the company, and and he says, "I have it written down. Let me get to it." I don't. Yeah, I don't remember this. I remember the scene, but I don't remember this specifically. Um, he says, "In defending the company, I don't know. We were exploited, but oh, right. they yeah, were nice yeah. about it. But yeah, the we were exploited, but they were nice about it. Not not as textually." Not, not, not what I view Stillman's position here as, but Stillman as the sort of person who would say that unironically. Yeah, uh-huh. I think. Yeah, yeah. and uh-huh. and I would say that like occasionally Stillman talks. Is his name Josh, the one that she in that? Uh, Josh is who she ends up with. Yeah, right. Uh, so the, I would say that ADA. occasionally Stillman talks through Josh. Like that little speech he gives at the end is 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 in many ways like part of Stillman's thesis here. Uh, it's not entirely, but it, it is part. I, I do think Stillman, again, has an affection for this thing that died. You know what I mean? Like, I don't. Yeah. And I and I think he also had an affection for the Cantillions or whatever as well. But, like, I think it shines through. And maybe it's just my own bias. in the. And I, I'm willing to admit that, that, like, because this is a thing I also have a little bit of affection for. Um, it, yeah. It. it I'm more likely to identify his affection because it like sort of to a certain extent mirrors my own, but right. I do think he does. And so I think that speech at the end by Josh is, is, is to a certain extent part of his thesis statement here. Um, not entirely, but, but I do not think that Josh is his stand in. I think a hundred percent. Yeah. What's his face. The guy from the, the, the Harvard guy is his stand. in. Right. Like right, it right. just, I don't know, it just seems obvious <laughs> to me. Um, He's off to the side. He's making sort of like he's sort of got this sort of wry smile on his face the whole time, like as right, he observes right, these right. these uh, the absurdities of the of these. Right, and he's and that's no. What's what's real key to to uh, I think Dan is his name. Yeah, because they call him uh, they call him. Uh, uh, Oh, I can't even remember now. But they, I don't know. They have I a nickname know. for it. Yeah, like they, the girls do. Yeah, I can't anyway, process any of it. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, Dan Powers. They call him Departmental Dan. Um, but I think I think Dan really embodies something about all Stillman characters more overtly, in that uh, 
he longs to belong in this group, right, even as right. he is. And and like the main character in in Metropol- uh, Metropolitan was really like this too, longing to belong in this group, even as he espouses ideas that should put him at odds. He's not. Right, he's right. not willing. <laughs> he's not willing to call all of his friends bougie and leave. But he is definitely willing to go home and write in his diary. About <laughs> right, right. He still he still wants to come around for soup more than once. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. So, I I think that's right. Uh, and and yeah. and and it's worth noting that like and you're right. When we kind of get back to the thing we were talking about, like how much baggage does the term bougie have? Like very little, right? Because like right. Dan uses it. He calls them bougie more than once, and or at least once that I remember very clearly. And like Dan is also like Dan is like just want i mean dan's super bougie too right like dan's a right fucking like harvard grad who works in a publishing house in new york city like right and like complains about not being able to make rent but most assuredly doesn't share his apartment with like nine other people right you know what i mean like yeah dan living above his means does not inherently mean that dan is not also (laughs) bougie right yeah yeah, it's it's silly, um, but I feel like I'm that fits concerned. into Stillman's sort of like way of processing things, right? Like yeah. he's calling that that is even that is even Stillman speaking through Dan to like talk right. about these people, and and bear in mind that like you know he's he's ide- he, yeah he's just throw, these words mean something different to them than they mean to i think maybe the rest of the world yeah i think it's weird that stillman seems to have such an affection for disco yeah but definitely has the same level of affection for disco as these characters have Right, because he yeah. makes this movie about disco, that makes hints of, you know, we see these bougie characters sort of ruining the whole scene, right, and and ultimately causing the downfall of the club that they all claim to love, um, and we get the the hints to you know the the baseball game disco riot, um, and other news stories about the changing of the economic times sort of flashing in the background. And we get the, the, the street punks walk by with the disco sucks shirts on and come back around and, and hit Jimmy in the head later, even though at that point they seem like they're hired by, yeah, uh, yeah. by the bosses because Jimmy deserves it at this point. Um, but it's just so it's weird to make a movie affectionate about disco where none of the main characters are doing disco yeah but also <laughs> none of the main characters are gay or people of color well that's that's what i mean it's right. like it is <laughs> yeah. no you're right i and that's where I, I i've been trying to kind of get to grips with this as we've been talking i i've been trying to dance around it and i don't know how to get to where we want to go with this but like that's why I'm not sure that Stillman has fully correctly identified what's going on. He's like yeah. half identified it, right? Like he's gotten, that's why I was talking about like to a certain extent, that's part of this, like not going back to the root cause thing, right? We talked about this earlier. It's like the, by the, the thing he starts by showing is post all the people 
for whom disco was a real honest to god movement and like a real yeah. honest to god thing meaningful to like culture have already been driven out and all we see in the movie are the are the sort of like random bits of left you know what i mean like as like secondary characters the few people who are right. still in the club left over from that scene you know what yeah, I mean, I mean these, people, been mostly these people are out. only here. These people are only here because disco's been gentrified. Right, right exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's really hard. I'm having a really hard time describing the phenomenon I'm trying to talk about. But yes, you're right. Exactly. It's gentrification. It's what we're seeing is in the sort of world of gentrification, those few houses that are left that haven't been pushed out yet. <laughs> right? right. Right. And they're and the movie continually identifies them as weird. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like. You've got these people like this the the tiger lady or the there you see like as sort of sub characters men in like in um in like leather are, and stuff like that. There are regulars in the club we see who are definitely those carryovers, right? Right. Or but they're or you know. Uh maybe they are also Rans who just got really into that aspect of it. Maybe, yeah, yeah. But, we don't know. But but if nothing else, that's still the carryover of that that culture right. that, that created right. this phenomenon. But e- even if they are not even if the people themselves are not, their aesthetic is a leftover already. Right. Because right. most of the people in the club are just in night dress like night uh like uh not night dress club right. what do they call it? Club clothes. I can't yeah. think of what that thing's called. Uh, you know, club dresses and like suits, yeah. not even dresses. like fun ones, just yeah. boring ones. Right, right, and yeah, and all of our main characters are—they never even get I mean, out of suits. Be. They all just fucking wear suits the entire time. It's so boring. All of our, all of our main characters look like they're going to a nightclub in 1996. So, well, like. and that's and that's where I that's where <laughs> yeah. I kind of had another disconnect is if you combine the fact that they all talk like it's 1998 with right. the same sort of right. class right. analysis and. And and economic analysis, nineteen ninety eight, coupled with the clothes they wear, you'd be forgiven to forget that this is meant to be a period piece. The same as we did with Metropolitan. Right, right. You right, and I right. started this podcast before we started recording. You and I discussed yeah. the fact that, like, oh right, these are period pieces. Yeah, yeah. Like Metropolitan well, doesn't take place in nineteen ninety six. It takes place you can in tell, whatever year. You can, you can be reminded of this being a period piece because. Uh, the really curvy taxis keep showing up instead. Right, 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 right. Instead yeah. of the 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 angular sedans that they were through the eighties and nineties. It's just it's really weird because like and I and I would argue that to a certain extent what makes Stillman even sort of more problematic is it does feel like he's not willing to commit to the bit, right? Completely. Yeah. He he won't just make a movie about the time period that these things are from. He has to make it kind of a weird blend of the two, because um, yeah. he desperately yeah. wants to make a 1998 movie. Very yeah, much and, so. Yeah, and the the weird part is, you know, he was he's old enough. Like he he was these characters' age when this movie takes place. Uh, you know, he's he's in his late 40s uh, by the time this movie's being made. So like he's got, he shouldn't he shouldn't have the affection for the nineties that he seems to so desperately right, have. Right, but you know what? Um, I would I would argue that yeah, I know what you're saying, but yeah. I would argue that when you talk about the people like, you know, like your Sorkins and those guys, they yeah. they mentally hit their stride in the nineties. The nineties was their like 
mental right, hating. Right, right. right. Their is- ideas came into full fruition, like hyper neoliberal politics, <laughs> like fair. shitty, like totally <laughs> shitty, like laissez-faire free market economics. Like yeah. all that shit hits its stride. Like, yeah, they're f- in their 40s, but they feel like it's their 20s. Right. They're right, like, right, I'm right. on top of the world right now, right? Like yeah. every time before that was like, well, they weren't on – and I'm sure at those other times they felt the same way because they always were on top of the world, right? Like, you I mean, you're a rich person in your 20s in New York City. You're already on top. You're literally already on top yeah. of the world. You've been on top of the world since the day you were born, and that hasn't they're, changed. They're not that rich, Pat. They can't afford a nice apartment even with three of them living together and the money they're getting from their parents. I mean— So they can't. Uh, well, they can't part be. and parcel of that weird, shitty neoliberal politics is that, like— well, I'm going to send my children an allowance. I mean, we could afford to buy them a nice apartment. But we're not going to do that. They need to learn the value of money. Right. So we're going to well, also, we're going to send them enough money to like that, put them into a moderate apartment in New York well, it's City. A, it's also another aspect of the gentrification, and they, they even talk about this, right? Of you know that apartment was built as a tenement, and then all you yuppies moved in, and, and now, no, <laughs> yeah, now none of the people can now, no, they can't afford it. So that apartment's probably like five grand a month, and they really can't afford it, except for the three of them. Well, uh, I, just again, my my, my argument is is probably honestly their parents could if they wanted to, but they're, right, right. like they're Almost teaching certainly. their children lessons about like being adults, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Because that's, that's just the way that shit it's works. It's, that's, yeah. I, you, you only get are... to teach your children lessons like that if you have enough money to teach your children lessons like that. Now, I will say, uh, you know, off of something you said earlier, not there are periphery characters in this who aren't weird, per se, but are also coded as at least gay, right? A lot of, a lot of the bouncers feel like they're coded as gay. Yeah, I can see and, what you're saying. I, well, and the, the, reason the, I the say other co- people in Rex's club, too. Rex's bar. Yeah, Rex's bar is a little bit different, honestly speaking, than the than the main one. My uh, what I mean is, like, didn't mean sort of as coded as in like more almost textually because the way they treat homosexuality in this movie is so 1998. It hurts. It is so painfully like our main like one of our main characters uh, gets out of relationships with women by saying he's just realized he's gay. Being gay is is a is a punchline and a means of emotional abuse in this movie. Right. Uh, it, 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 and yeah. you combine that with this no, it's idea very bad. that <laughs> and it, and it, it's very very bad. It's bad in so many ways. Um and you combine that with the fa- fact that like it also it has it has a very eight, 90s aesthetic in the sense that like oh, the character will freely announce to this woman that he's gay. A thing that yeah. is in at this time in actual history is a very risky and you know i mean there's right. a, there's a reason right. why there's a reason why entire like separate like, <laughs> this entire it, culture exists exists exactly yeah. and so yeah. you're like and then this guy's just running around saying like right no but it's I still actually, a punchline it's really fucked up because we're in that there's weird nebulous space where he's like I'm willing to announce it in the club quite loudly but then if somebody actually puts his feet to the fire he's like well i'm not you know no i'm not actually gay because he's embarrassed about right. the idea of being gay Right, so right, it's a punch. Right. It's just really fucked up. It's very fucked up. I mean, at up. least they, at least they didn't do the the Seinfeld. Not that there's anything wrong with that thing, but but they wanted uh, to. Oh, that actually reminds really me. One to. of the things I was going to comment. Uh, it, it just didn't work in the movie. That's the only reason it's not in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I uh, one of the things I thought about while I was watching this, and I realized about Metropolitan Two, is is 
they are just making Seinfeld but disco. <laughs> right. Right. Like Seinfeld always has the problem. I I I've as I've gotten older, I've grown to dislike Seinfeld very very much. Okay, let's be very clear here. I watched Seinfeld when I was a kid, like when it was yeah. on TV, and I enjoyed it. I have grown to just despise the entire concept from top to bottom. I hate everything about it. Um, and I and like it can't be helped. I know other people still really enjoy it, have a, a real affection for it. I cannot handle it. Um. But that's beyond the point. My point is, is that like that aesthetic is also very, very present in here. And just like Seinfeld, nominally quote unquote about nothing, but always has a plot line. Yeah, this is the same thing. I guarantee you. I almost guarantee you, somebody said the word Seinfeld at some point during the creation of this movie. Yeah, like it has the exact same sort of like. Well, this is just it's just people being people in the set in disco, and it's like, I just. I just guarantee it. Like, it just feels like it top to bottom. And that's what I was thinking about, like, the whole entire time was just like, yeah, this this tracks. Like, And, and when you really think about it, it's something like Aaron Sorkin's writing and a lot of those other things are all part of that same territory, that same sort of, like, they all have that same vibe to them. Yeah. I would argue that Sorkin embraces the idea of at least by the time you get to West Wing, embraces the the idea of a of a plot a little bit more strongly. It's still quote unquote about the people, but like more, it's slightly more more actiony, a little bit more of the idea that like there's oh a plot might be useful in in my story. I mean, these all have plots. I mean, Seinfeld episodes always had a plot too. They were never actually about nothing. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just um, yeah. I, yeah. They, but they have that same problem. Like they, all those shows and all that stuff from this era, just no matter what, always treat homosexuality as a as a punchline. It's always it's always a tool for sto- for their story or something like that. It's never like, and there's never an actually an actual gay character on screen. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, like, obviously, again, we, we have people who are coded as being gay, but we never, like, we don't get to meet any of them. Right. Right. Yeah. And then and then the uh, way they have to code them as gay is, is oftentimes quite, is often quite outrageous in the movie because Stillman wants to have that aesthetic, right, in this club, right? He wants to have those people, he wants to have people who are not just these yuppies still in the club. Right, right. Around. And the only way to do that is to a certain extent is to like crank things to eleven in many ways, right? Yeah, it's just I don't know. I didn't, I didn't really like any of the characters. No, so, you know. I mean, yeah, no, uh, it's uh, yeah. There's not there's not a lot to hang your hat on here because like, if you're not if you do not mentally sympathize with '90s yuppies, right? Like you then, are just out to sea in these movies. I, and the conversations are too clever. Some of them were were clever in ways that you know they were they were fine it, jokes. I, it it uh, is better than you know. some of the other stuff we've seen, like about that too clever by half thing. Like it, yeah. I don't know when this comes out. Relationship to Metropolitan, I, it's definitely later, right? Yeah, uh, uh, Metropolitan was nineteen ninety, so this yeah, is you can see later. some evolution of the writing style happening. Yeah. It's not as bad as that one was. It's not as bad as any Sorkin movie I've ever seen or any Sorkin work <laughs> I've ever seen. It is slightly yeah. toned down. They're still too clever by half, but like 
they it, it's been toned back a little bit. You can just feel yeah. like it's been toned back a little bit. Somebody just, at some point, somebody finally got down, sat him down, and was like, you know, nobody talks this way, right? Like, it's well, just not people, right? There is. I got used to it in this. I like, wonder if that's first, just what happened to me too. <laughs> I just started first, to like, like ignore it. The first like five ten minutes, everything's real, real still. Well, me. see, like, I was kind of wondering about that. It almost feels like it changes. I didn't know if I was getting used to it or if they, the writing style just sort of changes over time. What's yeah. her name? Holly is that way throughout the entire. Like Holly's just. I think it's well, Holly, yeah, right? Holly, Holly is meant is to the be insufferable, right? Like, or no, no not no, Holly. No. You're um, thinking, the one with the black hair. Um, yeah, Holly's the third roommate. You're thinking God, of. Jesus. Uh, this movie's going to give me an aneurysm. Why does everybody look of, exactly the same in this movie? Yeah, you're looking. You're thinking of Kate Beckinsale's character, Charlotte. Okay, um, Charlotte. They also yeah. all have the same name too. Everybody right, in this movie right. has Holly, it looks Charlotte, the same and Alice. has the same name too. Yeah. Oh. Also. Um, oh yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. We are, well, I was just gonna. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, the, the first five minutes are like just the way they I thought you had been here several times before uh, when talking about getting into the cl- club. Right. Yeah. And, yeah, then, yeah. and then she mentions she was also interested in Tom and Charlotte says Tom Platt's smart and somewhat cool. A lawyer involved with environmental college. Like she delivers this expository. Yeah. It all, it all sounds like it all sounds like the like narrative for a different yeah, movie. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it doesn't. No, I agree. I, it doesn't I would agree really first... get better because mm. halfway through the movie we get the you think they do like weak, indecisive, and unemployed. Uh, oh, yeah, or the, you're right. Or the the past perfect I, conversation. I just got used to it. The past perfect conversation they have with the, the oh yeah, that's that's desk gets with the with the uh, with the bar owner. <laughs> you know, why'd you use the past perfect then? I used the past perfect. Yeah, I was approached. It sounds like it happened a while ago uh, when he's trying to insist that it had just happened that night. Uh yeah yeah it's dumb. Um, I appreciated a good reference to Clifford Irving. Uh, the uh, who is the guy F for Fake is one of the people F for Fake is nominally about is Clifford Irving. And they they're talking about Alice's book deal being it turning out not to be the real the real brother of the Dalai Lama. Right. Irving Irving was uh had written a big fake biography of Howard Hughes. Um, so that was that's why F for Fake is about what it's about right but, um so i love you know i it made me think of f for fake so thank you right it, it, it called to mind something think, you actually enjoy yeah for, for yeah. making me think of a thing i actually enjoy thanks uh yeah yeah no um, i yeah i guess you might be right i guess what happened is is that first 20 minutes yeah all that like hyper dial like that hyper stylized dialogue is all jammed really really close together and as the movie goes on we get breaks in between them Right, which right, which right. makes it slight, but, like that first twenty to, like fifteen to twenty minutes is just fucking nonstop, bam, 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 and you're like, yeah, what is happening here? So right. I guess it, the di- it, yeah. the dialogue you remember from the end of the movie is not not any different than that. No, Josh you're is, right. You're right. Josh's big. Well, I didn't big like disco will never die stuff. It's not. I just argued that that, that that is part right. of Stillman's sort of like thesis statement yeah. for the movie. No, the, then, the, it's all and then bad. Josh. Josh the, delivering all that and saying, "Sorry, I got into into that. I uh, I'm on my way to a job interview, and I was just, uh, or I have a job interview later, and I'm just in the mood for." You know, yeah, like, you know that's the other yeah. thing, right? Is that like the amount? And that's the that, thing. Go ahead. That's the thing about the lady in the tramp conversation too. Is that they are all 
they don't have any beliefs. They're not earnest about right. anything. They're, they're all, all of well, this is just posturing, right? Right, and so, that's what we were talking about when we were talking about yeah. earlier, sincerity, yeah. right? Is that like right, right. my dinner with Andre, as annoying as, as you know, as no... As, <laughs> It's 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 sincere. It is it is meant to read as sincere. And even though they're bad ideas, oftentimes it's bad ideas. There are people who legitimately hold their bad ideas, right? Which is just more bearable. It's just a more bearable thing to be to be forced to watch. And actually, it's quite enjoyable in that sense. But like you know, right? And in and in that manner, the bad ideas that we know are the hearts of their bad ideas aren't be successful, make money. Right, 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 right. Whereas that is that is all of the bad ideas here, right? Right. Um, and yeah. like we definitely get we definitely get a very the movie makes sure to close on one more really really bad version of them as Charlotte and what's his face walk <laughs> Des walk away and like just sort of like wrap up the movie yeah. by by just talking about like <laughs> j- just shit talking all the other characters. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like. Uh, yeah, and then we get the happy ending of of you know dancing to to love train. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's I did. I don't know if it was meant to be a joke. I can't imagine it was meant to be anything other than a joke. Uh, but it being a joke makes it makes it pretty bad when the cops show up, and one of them says to the to the questioning onlookers. Uh, this isn't a raid. It's just the IRS or whatever. <laughs> like, they're, like they're explaining that they're not shutting the disco down or 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 come to beat up the gay people. Uh, that that it's just the IRS showing up, as if as if as if that government intrusion is not is not the same thing as right right you know it's and all, also as if the irs wouldn't just bring a bunch of cops to beat people up anyway right like right, i don't right, know right. what what like what is yeah. the difference here there there are nypd uniformed nypd officers on set yeah on, in this place someone's getting beat up that's right that's, yeah that's a that's a that's a guarantee <laughs> that's a guarantee uh yeah I don't know it. it and I, Josh is Josh is stupid. Like, like Josh is so trepidatious about this entire thing, and he's p- trying to protect Des, but then he leads the raid. I don't know. That doesn't it's, even make sense. No, I think it's and, and makes a joke when he gets to the door. It's like, oh, we're on the list. Well, and, I mean, <laughs> I I would argue that again. I don't think the movie's identifying these things. Okay, I think it yeah. is just showing them because it's just how they imagine the world is. But like, there's no loyalty among thieves here. Like, right, Josh right, will right. absolutely sell out his his friend and his friends because because. And I would argue that part of it comes from the fact that they're all basically quote unquote gonna be okay, right? Like, they all there's a certain sort of um, a sort of sort of um, I don't know I don't know what the attitude would be called. Like, uh, I don't want I already used the term laissez faire, but like. When you know that everybody you know is rich and will always land on their feet, you can kind of just be. They can also just sort of treat each right, other like right, shit. Right, 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 right. Like, right. oh yeah, I blew up his, I blew up his shit, but like he's fine. Like he'll just at worst he has to like go home for a month or whatever. Or mom and dad have to send him some more money, right? Like, I don't know. There's a sort of sort of nightmarish freedom in the way they can treat each other, partially because they're all wealthy, and right. then. 
but that but they extend that freedom to blow up each other's shit to every other human being on earth who probably can't just like go home to mom and dad right like you know they're they're just kind of broken people you you could do a very interesting analysis of these movies from the outside for sure because the the amount of like sort of like weird fucked up mental sort of gymnastics that people are going through and and apparently Stillman is rendering like not I don't know like is rendering not ne- as a negative critique but just sort of rendering as sort of oh yeah this is just how people are there's a whole lot I mean there's just a lot there like there's a yeah. lot of fucked up shit happening in all of, in both of these movies the people in the movie and I think to a certain and as a extension Stillman are not identifying as fucked up shit yeah uh so with metropolitan uh a mighty fortress is our god pretty much opened that movie if i remember correctly and we sure. get another we get another reference to uh to a a nice old uh new england uh protestant hymn uh in that josh josh when he has josh's comfort i suppose uh, when he's when he's having a, a breakdown, is to sing, uh, "Dear Lord, I, I and don't Father even know of this mankind." One. I don't even know this uh, one. I I had never heard of it. Uh, I assume that Stillman didn't pluck it out of the air. No, uh, it is no. It, it is a song about God providing comfort. Interestingly, it is written by John Greenleaf Whittier who was a Quaker abolitionist who had his own breakdown from doing abolition work uh, because he was doing it in 1835. Right. When... Yo, yo, oh, oh, a person yeah. had a breakdown for a good reason instead of a right, bad reason. Right, right, know. right, right. Um, so he did, you know, he, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, but it wasn't it wasn't until after that sort of breakdown is, that he got a... into him writing. Uh I would like to completely point out, oh, com- go ahead. Sorry. Completely disconnected from the movie. Interesting enough, Whittier uh, self-described as not a hymn writer, despite the fact that he wrote dozens of hymns. And, well, that's and, yeah. That but yeah. isn't that the way, right? Like, isn't there like right, right. you meet those people like, well, I'm I'm not a I'm not a novelist, and they wrote seven novels or whatever. <laughs> right, right, um, right. Just I'm just fascinated by the fact that I at some point started to identify like, and I think this may be accurate in in effect is that like how I've, I identify old Quaker hymns as being very bushy, despite the fact that they're written by very, like, well, the, the con- it's very strange to me. I don't know how that all works in my head, but. Uh, the Quakers are an interesting place because even, even in Whittier's day, um, a lot of big name Quakers were abolitionists and very progressive. And, a lot of other Quakers with church power were just rich and often uh, rich because they had been slaveholders. Gotcha. So it's, it really is just like every other main line <laughs> in right. a lot of ways. It's just like every other group, yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good to uh, know. It works exactly it, the same you know, way as everything else. Every, every other New England Protestant faith, at least, where it was, you know, the the moneyed people versus the the people 
who were actually interested in making the world better. Uh, right. And then occasionally one of the people with money would also want to make the world better. Uh, and then stuff kind of got done for a little bit. Uh, the Stowe's were not poor. Uh, the uh, the Alcott's were. But <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah. Anyway, um, Ben Lay, definitely poor. Uh, and a fascinating individual. And if you don't know the Ben Lay, name Ben Lay, go look him up. <laughs> Just stop the podcast now. Go look up Ben Lay. Uh, he's a little little before Whittier, but he was a Quaker abolitionist who had dwarfism and lived in a cave and threw fake blood at people. Uh, and is As an one amazing guy. Uh, yeah. Uh, you can't You can't write off George Washington and Thomas Jefferson as products of their time because Ben Lay existed at the same time <laughs> as him uh, and uh, and was his own own thing. Uh, but anyway, um, but yeah, you know, so much of so much of what I get from Stillman, particularly with his use of the hymns, uh, is a mentality I associate with New England Methodists, Congregationalists, Episcopalians, right. um, just uh, moneyed, sort of high church, but not Catholic, uh, ornate stuff, but it's it's old money. And there are congregations and people within the churches doing good work, and using the church resources to do that good work. Uh, but also that money came from centuries of exploitation. Right, right. Uh, so uh, there's a reason that those churches have that power. Well, and then and then, and bear in uh, mind and, that, that, like a lot of other things, Stillman's movies aren't even about those people who right, are right, using those, right. like, exploitation. Right. Like, aren't even right. aren't even about those people you know what i mean like right. no no they are about the the rank and file who believe themselves to be progressive uh even as they hold very regressive ideas about property and well uh, or but even like and and especially like it really sh again we we not to like harp on things but like we get it with like sort of stillman's obvious views on homosexuality right like he right like you get into this thing where it's like boy like you i'm sure stillman thought of himself as very progressive on yeah. like you know gay and, issues at the time and none of the people here who are even hinted at as being gay are bad people uh i mean van's I, mean but van gets redeemed in the end even if if we're reading van as coded as gay at even any point which maybe yeah but, that's an iffy that's an that's yeah. already we're taking a sort of leap at that point yeah anyway. <laughs> i i i i would argue the Honestly, I would argue that the only people who are like, like, really outwardly coded as gay to like in a to the extent that like we're supposed to a hundred percent know, are the people in leather basically. Yeah, yeah, are the but, and, and that's that's you yeah. know because like that's that that's the movie that's someone telling us that these people right here, these people, they're gay, you know, right? Because they're oftentimes put as a sort of a counterpoint whenever like Des is talking about doing his shtick. Right. I don't know. It's it's all very. And there should strange. be, there should be actual gay people in this club mad at Des. Yes, there, there should, should be. be. <laughs> like, yeah, there should be. Well, except for if you consider the possibility that again, we're talking about an era which all anybody who's from any sort of uh, minority group or peripheral group that would have been a, 
essential to the creation of disco as a as a concept in a scene has already been pushed out. That's fair. They they're not there to be angry at Des because if they are if they're still there they're barely I mean they're probably barely able to get into the club in the first place, right? They're they're almost at this point maybe have been sort of as part of the gentrification pro- pro- process right. been turned into window dressing for yeah. Like, well, you know what I mean? I don't know. It's a hard thing to describe, but and it's a sad thing to describe, but, like, once once the bougie rich people have taken over, you can't, like, it's gets a, you can't, like, grab that thing back. You know what I mean? You can't. You can't unring that bell. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, without, and now if you're going to throw a, a lot of protracted, definite work to re- right. unring that and, and even then probably you're better off to just let it die and then build something else <laughs> right. right like it's right, probably right, right. not not to say about like proper gentrification of like land and things like that but like in these sort of social scenes right groups that needed that social scene have probably already start have already started to move on because that one's dead like it's been right. taken over we can't be there anymore we're not welcome there anymore that's right. not our place anymore kind of thing right it's time to move on right start and this just goes this disco stuff didn't actually die in 83. It just went underground. You know? That, right, right, that right, cultural, right. Yeah, absolutely. That well, that's the other thing, right, is that's the flip side of it, is you can let the yeah. yuppies kill it, and then you right. can, like, take it back after they think it's dead. <laughs> right, right, and then right. And then start doing other stuff with it, right? Like, yeah. there's a reason why we've had resurgences of disco in the 90s and then again fairly right. recently, which is, like, it didn't die. I, It evolved, right? And you yeah. – and, and Ball- Ballroom culture disassociated from from the yuppie infiltration of the of the clubs and yeah, uh, it worked out, um, not well, uh, but it continued to exist. Right? I guess, yeah, is yeah, what yeah. I mean, I mean yeah. When I when I yeah when we talk about die, we don't actually mean die. It's just like you know, right. it, it's very clear as we talked about earlier that like oh yeah, like none of the people who are essential to the establishment of disco are welcome in this club anymore. Yeah, this club is not yeah. welcoming those people in through the front door. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I think my argument with uh, my argument with Metropolitan was that I think Stillman does see those characters as uh, as bad, as absurd, as uh, undeserving of their social status here that might still be true and he does definitely plot wise recognize them as integral to the downfall of disco right uh as far as the movie is concerned um he doesn't explore the motivations of the white masculine uh violent response to right well yeah popularity that's not even as he he, even as he uses that as a backdrop in the middle of the movie um right i yeah no i and and again not to like harp on the point but like as you talk as you and you pointed out earlier like someone identifies the role of these people in killing this iteration of disco right, that is right, already right, far right. removed from what disco, you know what I mean? Yeah. The, of right. killing the disco that they already took over. Right. You know what right. I mean? Right. They didn't like the, the, the other one was already long since put, you know, 
like right. had been already taken over, right? Like, you know, not to, to harp on the point, but yeah, like yeah. Stillman, I don't know no, that right. Stillman identifies the root again. Like, I don't know that he identifies the actual, like, doesn't take it back that far in his mind. They killed Disco, but what actually Stillman's talking about is they killed the 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 yuppie disco that they were already all a part of, right? Like, right, right. Not, not disco. <laughs> right, right. For lack of a, I'm I'm running out of ways to yeah. say it, but yeah, and um, and because yeah. it's a movie that, and this was true of Metropolitan too. You know, these are characters who are of an age where they can hint at political engagement in various ways, but they're never talking about their parents' politics or about how their uncle is a U.S. senator or the president. <laughs> they're, right. not, they're not, no one, no one mentions Carter or Reagan in this entire movie. Uh, it's, it is a movie that takes place over a backdrop of the last days of disco but even they justify it like you know we get that 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 post scene of them at the after the unemployment office and like oh well you know the the sales had been going down when van shows up and talks about how how culturally disco was was leaving the spotlight right and and that sort of tries to like justify it and 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 forgive them a little bit because it wasn't them actively killing disco disco was dying on its own right but also we do get the scenes of the disco riot, you know, which is an actual act of violence trying to kill disco. So right. it is more complicated and nuanced than I might give it credit for. Stillman's not an idiot. No, no, no. I think Stillman but, has bad ideas. Yeah. <laughs> but Stillman is not an idiot. Yeah. No, that's right. that's true. And and I think again, I, I do honestly believe that a a He's he starts down the road, but because of his own sort of hangups, right, can't can't go all the way to identifying the true reasons and kind of I mean he can't processes he, behind things. He cannot identify those true reasons with these characters. Period. Right. Yeah. That's so, yeah. That's also. But, but yeah. that's that's the, if he's going to write about these characters, Wilman, or that's, right. that's uh, to a certain extent that is Whitman, right? Because he right he chooses the care he chose the characters, right? Like the characters didn't right. just show up at his house and be like, hey. You need to write our story. Like he wrote, he chose the characters that can't possibly do detailed and that kind of detailed analysis, right? Right. They're they're fundamentally incapable, and we don't know if Stillman's capable, but he's if nothing else, he's choosing characters that are incapable of doing that, right? right? Which is right. something, right? Like you 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 decide and what I characters was, are in your movie, right? Like, you know and I, mean? I was left with a taste in Metropolitan. I'm left with a taste here where I believe Stillman is capable. And and does know, but is still making the movie he wants to make, which right. you know, not, and not not every movie needs to be a condemnation of Reagan. No, uh, no, no. But if you're going more, to should but, be. I mean, but. Like, probably most of them should be. But like, yeah. I mean, but again, but if you're going to make a movie that's about quote unquote the last days of disco, yeah, and make it a sort of pseudo social commentary, there are glaring absences. When you do it this way, where I'm running into, I keep running into a problem with this movie is I can't tell if it's my inch. I think what's making this movie play better for me than Metropolitan is just sheerly the fact that I like, I'm more interested in this, 
this era and this topic. And so right. it's like, wait a minute, this movie might not be any better. I just right. like that I I have some modicum of affection, whereas like fucking Cotillion's just not zero, not a little bit. Um. So yeah, I don't know, but. Uh, the other thing I guess that we probably should have talked about, but we're already very, very far in, is, like, boy, like, Stillman doesn't paint very flattering pictures of, like, the men in the movie are, that no, none of the characters are flattering, but I would argue yeah. that the, 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 the female characters are more unflattering in some ways. Uh, he has... He he makes and it's very and again it's very hard to tell because of the nature of the way he writes these movies. But like, okay, correction: some of the female characters are not painted very flatteringly. None of the characters are, but the men say things that are real. Sometimes say things are real fucked up, but feel very nineties to me about like sort of like gender analysis and the like. Yeah, shitty gender well, with- analysis in the nineties. Right, and and where that becomes a problem is in this one in particular. We have uh, three female characters with lines uh, and right. names. Um, so, uh, I guess unless you count Tiger Lady yelling, uh, yelling when they, she gets walked in on, or uh, the woman who kisses the bar owner and <laughs> and says something before she walks out of the room, right? She right, doesn't right. get a name. Um, but uh but yeah holly charlotte and alice uh and holly is almost a background character more than anything yeah i mean she, she basically is right like yeah. she's the the love interest for our our for dan yeah for the who Harvard is guy. who is our stand-in for stillman it's <laughs> yeah um holly exists to get dan into that group is really basically yeah absolutely absolutely all holly exists holly has no Uh, other barely has any other lines frankly and then once dan's in that group holly disappears so yeah and then uh, we bring her up once offhandedly later it's it's really yeah oh she's dating someone else um and then yeah um and then we just have this this virgin and whore dichotomy with charlotte and alice really is what it is and it's yeah it's dumb well, uh, and and the thing is, is that they both like the 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 men in the movie make really shitty like gender critique things, you know, the the sort of stuff that you know, right. you know how like a thing we used to like be told when we were in school was like, I remember being told like, oh, like women and men have different brains because yeah. of like hunter gatherer bullshit and just all this like made up, essentially made up bullshit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And, like, this movie says things like that. And then has the characters prove those things true. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, a man or a woman, either one, will say something shitty like that in this movie about other, about, specifically about women. And then one of the, our three lead, really two, uh, lead women characters will then do something to prove that that's an accurate statement about women, quote, unquote, as a whole. And the thing is, is the the critique is always focused on the two on the two women. The critique is very rarely directed in the other direction, right? There's yeah. a little bit where the where the one of the two women will say something about men, but it's almost a loop back around where they say something about women as it applies to how they view men. Say something about men as it applies to how they view women. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's always looping back on the on, despite the men being basic. The men are not the main characters, although there's more of them, and they take up more screen time. 
Right. The women are the main characters because they're the ones with apartments. <laughs> they're the ones who who set the stage. Right. Um, so they are the main characters. Or but just more the more that they all live together. We do see inside a couple of the guys. No, I know. But what, what times, I mean is but, like, but is yeah. that like, I, I, there's a sort of like an idea, right? Like they, they are the, I mean, they just are the main characters. The two women are right. the main characters. They just, they just are the men. There's just more of the men and the more men get a lot yeah. of lines for, for sort of like not well, being the main characters. It's interesting because Charlotte is, Charlotte is maybe the most interesting class critique if we read her as critique in that right. she is she doesn't believe in the art she wants to get into television and is using being working at a publisher as a means to get into television um she uh has all of this terribly bad advice for uh for <laughs> how to seduce people but terribly bad uh, advice that also nominally like notably changes all the time <laughs> Right. Which is, I think, which right. is probably has one of no, her, the funnier right. elements of yeah. her character. Has no consistency to that, and and frequently just says, uh, apologizes for being a bitch. You know, it's, it's, right. Continues you know. to be terrible, and then apologizes yeah. for it, which right. feels very much like a '90s thing to me as well. Like that right, just right, feels right, right. super '90s to me. When when Alice says toward the beginning, when they're talking about getting the apartment together, when Alice says to her, "I don't think we even really like each other." And she says, I'm not as much of a bitch as you think I am. And then the next scene is them moving in together <laughs> or viewing the apartment together, at least. Um, yeah. And then Holly's really just an also ran in all of those yeah. scenes. Well, no, She's Holly's not, not actually a main character. Let's yeah. be very clear. When I say the women, I mean uh, yeah. Charlotte and Alice, right? They're, they, they are the main characters of the right. movie. Um, yeah. It's and just Stillman really doesn't – I think Stillman doesn't know how to work with them very well and so continues to make the men the most important things on the screen. Right. But I, they are – I mean, again, they're the ones we see moving into their apartment. They're the ones we see at work and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like, they're right. definitely the main characters. They just don't get a lot of – Right. They're the first characters we meet. Right. They're they the they last don't get a lot of screen see. time they, they, yeah. relative to the hundreds of men in this movie. <laughs> right. The seemingly right. hundreds of men in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Really, um, uh, yeah. that all look identical to. Even all have the same haircut. It's fucking baffling to me. They all have that Leo yeah. DiCaprio like, right? Quaff or whatever you want to call it. All of, uh, yeah. It's uncanny yeah. how many people look exactly the same in this movie. Um, but no, like, yeah, which is also very much a '90s haircut, by the way, too. That's yeah. Everybody's everybody's hair is '90s hair. It's uh, it's really weird yeah. to me. Uh, actually kind of uncomfortable as we're watching the movie. I'm like, nobody, wait, what, what's, what's happening? But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just a thing, right? Where like, they're the main characters and wait. Yeah, no, they're the main characters and like, they, they, the men are constantly critiquing how women view men yeah. and how women interact with men. The women are constantly critiquing how men interact with women interacting with men. It always loops back to a critique of, like, most of the dialogue of the movie yeah. is a critique on the way that men and women interact, but very much of a, now, a sort of attempt to, quote-unquote, analyze the way women right. deal with men, not the other right. way around. Um, right. Like, we get very little commentary on, like, we 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 just don't get a lot of analysis of how fucked up the behavior of the men in this movie is not really yeah. i mean with the one exception of when charlotte calls out Dest for pretending to be gay 
and she says, you want to, you're not worthy of licking the boots of my actual gay friends who we never meet. And, right. But that's how, uh, and that, but that, and that he whole responds, felt really he responds in earnest saying, I want to, I want to want to, right. Right. Like that's actually, this is actually a homophobe, yeah. like specifically yeah. in this movie. Right. Like, but right. like, but also like Charlotte's one of, one of those quote unquote liberals, right? Like, right. I don't know. Like Charlotte's, fucked up too. like i mean using, like I, using these completely unmet gay friends to win an argument right as like uh, as a yeah. as a cudgel to like hit somebody else yeah. over the head with and your argument with your bougie friends like is is not good. i mean that that particular bougie friend does need to be hit over the head right but, but like he actually needs to be physically hit over the head by <laughs> yes one, you know somebody else that's not charlotte uh, i mean also, also probably not by put, another straight white guy with a crowbar walking right, by right. later so I mean, uh, to be but, fair, the women in this movie also, despite how bad they are, also <laughs> certainly deserve to hit either any of these guys with crowbars at any right, time. Right, right, right. Let's, let's be clear here, too, but, you know. Yeah. There's, yeah, a, there's a lot of crowbar hitting to go around in this movie, really. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like when, when Josh tells Des, Des, oh, I've always considered you a person of some integrity, except, of course, in your dealings with women. Uh which yeah, is just no, a, what, what a loaded statement. But the thing is, is like that's, uh, man, Stillman's just so '90s. It hurts. Yeah, that all just feels so much like the shit we grew up watching on TV. Right. You know what I mean? And that really, that really is the problem. You know, this is, of course, every movie, even uh, every period piece, is more about the period that's when made, it's made, the period it's made, than the period it's set in. But Stillman does very little to try and recreate the period he's trying to live in. No, I I, I, I and I I still ideologically yeah. not not great. Clothing, costuming wise, hair wise definitely. No one's feathered nearly enough. Everybody's yeah. hair is flat. None of it makes sense for for the era they want to be in no, or the culture they want to fit into. Right. Uh Yeah. Well, and that's that's the thing, right? Is that like Stillman wants to make '90s movies. He doesn't really necessarily right, want right, to make right, right. a right. disco movie, really. And he and, and he yeah. he wants to make movies about twenty-year-olds, so he sets them in time periods when he was their age, uh, because that's. But 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 using all the sensibilities that he has as right. a forty-year-old, right? Yeah. Like, so it's it's just very weird. <laughs> um, yeah. It's all very weird, and it's not for me. I guess no, it is it, not. I don't think it's for yeah. any. I don't think it's really. I mean, it's for, it's for a lot of people, but I don't. I don't know. Obviously, it is for some people. No, it uh, absolutely is. Well, we were gonna. We talked about this before we started the podcast, but like, there's a there's a whole another sort of analysis of this of the headspace of the people at Criterion who like keep putting these in. There. Right, 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 right. They right, must right. also. Which loops me to another thought that I've been having recently, especially when I when I watch this movie, especially it sort of activated thing. There's a apparently there's an going affection for the '90s right now. Is there? Yeah, I think like it may be already over, but like I feel like I there I read a I saw a bunch of people being very nostalgic for nineties stuff a while there. And I just can't help but be like, man, but the nineties was real, real bad. Like it was a very shitty time. Like and like we watch a movie like this and it's like, boy, this just really amplifies my feelings about the nineties. And how absolutely just a shit show that was. Like this, this was going culture in the nineties. You know what I mean? Like this was right. like peak culture in ni- in nineteen ninety eight, as far as like peak mainstream culture is concerned. Uh, and that's a sad thing to see and say. 
Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't. But like, this is what we watched on TV, right? Like, I mean, this is a this is a movie, more like intense version of it. But this is the same kind of attitudes that we saw on TV shows, right, and, right, right. and and our mainstream media was pervasive with this kind of sort of like social it, analysis. That the the neoliberal brain was hardcore in action during the nineties. The like, fact the fact that fifty four came out at the same time as this says says something about a zeitgeist that I just well don't there know. there was a resurgence of of yeah. of seventies of disco stuff in is the that 90s. what it yeah is there was all there, it was yeah I think that's part of it yeah I it probably because the people who worked in their twenties when disco was at its sort of most yuppie ish were hitting the time where they were writing movies now and like in charge of things. I suppose, right? Yeah, they'd finally worked their way up enough. They'd hit the point where they're choosing what movies are made. The same reason why the things we see now in media really are tailored to match your, our, are meant to be tailored to match our tastes, right? Because we're that age now, right? Like we're hitting that age where it's people, theoretically, people our age who are making the decisions. Now, mind you, that's not exactly how it's all worked out. It's more. And it probably wasn't exactly how it was working out right then, too, right? Like, the people in their 40s were making the movies. They probably weren't the ones necessarily in charge of the money that was making the movies. But, you know, nonetheless. It, it, the, the point being that, like, we're – I think there's a reason why I, I think I've seen some nostalgia-type stuff for 90s stuff is because, well, that's a little early, but is still starting to try to tap into, like, our early tw- – you know, our – late teens, early 20s type stuff. Which was terrible. The 90s were terrible. Yeah. They have <laughs> the very little to terrible. recommend in themselves. Everyone... There were there were some interesting sort of like sort of fringe culture stuff that was interesting. There were, I watched things that were interesting in the 90s, but keep in mind, if you start dredging up the 90s, most of what you're going to find is this. Yeah. Like you start plumbing those depths, ninety percent of what you're going to find is this, with occasional gems of like actually interesting thing. I guess that's <laughs> you're, not, you're not willing to commit to my to my my no no na- I probably anti nineties talk. The nineties weren't great, but uh, they were the time when uh, cartoons aimed at people my age. Uh, well, that's part of what I'm identifying as some good some gems in the in yeah. the sort of rough is that like there were, we watched some very interesting cartoons when we were kids right. that that right. that are I consider still anomalous compared to what the mainstream going culture was. Yeah. Anyway, we will eventually someday watch Barcelona. You maybe you will. It is spine number eight hundred and seven, uh, which Maybe is also neither of us will. will. Which is also when uh, when Criterion retroactively boxed all three of these together as a oh, West Stillman trilogy. Uh, but yeah, uh, so eight hundred seven. The doomed bouge. Wait, what, what was the name of the the, the box? Like the the like what story. what Stillman called the set of three movies was the doomed bourgeois. Uh, in love series. See now, the, love. the question is: is yeah, I mean, boy, I mean, I think Stillman, those words mean different things to him than us. Stillman, but. by the way, wrote his own novelization of the script, 
uh, and released it in 2000. Uh, the Last Days of Disco is with cocktails at Petrodrian afterwards, which is a French restaurant in New York. Uh, yeah, it's... I mean, Stillman's experience with this is as a yuppie going to black tie events and then going to Studio 54 because right, exactly. they'd let you in if you were dressed it real nice because it gave an air of authenticity to what they were doing, right? Uh, yeah, they wanted... According to Stillman, they, they, Studio 54 would let you in because they wanted that mix of people, which is weird because he did not make a movie about that mix of people. He made a movie about the, <laughs> the, the yuppies. Oh, oh, yeah, about specifically his group of people. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. that has an extended sequence where they take issue with the word yuppies, which is hilarious, I will admit. that that The, the breakdown over being called yuppies is very funny. Right, uh, right, right. Yeah. But yeah, Barcelona in the far-flung future... Uh, once again, given just enough time for us to completely yeah. forget right. everything but the vibes of the last yeah. Stillman movie we watched. Yeah. Uh, for an exciting uh, corollary to the works of Stillman, we will get a Mammoth movie next week. Uh, so more people talking like real people don't talk. Um, right. with, you gotta love it. With uh, the 1991 crime film Homicide with Joe Mantagna, uh, who we saw in the last Mammoth movie. Uh, William H. Macy is also in this one in Big Rames. So uh, look forward to that. This week we've been talking about The Last Days of Disco from 1998, directed by Whit Stillman. Thank you so much for listening to Lost in Criterion. I am, as always, Leon Glass. With me, as always, John Patrick Oatari Dorgan. And we'll see you next time. John Patrick Boatari Dorgan, and you can find him at J. Patrick Check out more of the show at lostincriterion.com or hey, give us a review on iTunes. It's nice. If you really like what you hear, consider supporting us at patreon.com slash lostincriterion. Hey, our theme music is by Jonathan Hape. Check him out at jonathanhape.com. And thanks for listening. We appreciate it.